Hey y'all, this is Ovi, and you're tuned in to Yeah, But Are You Listening? A space created for us to laugh and cry, share blueprints, and grow through transparency. We'll talk about the things that make us nervous and the things that get us hyped, but most of all, we'll be authentic. Let's get to it. Hey y'all. Welcome back to another episode in our mental health series. This time I am chatting with Laura Christian Dempsey, who is an old classmate of mine. Um, We have not had an opportunity to catch up in about 25 years, which is a really long time. I'm not even old enough to have been out of high school for 25 years, but Laura is an LCSW who focuses primarily on teen and kids health. Um, And so I asked her to come on to talk to us a little bit about some things we could look for, um, some coping mechanisms we could try. Um, Overall, just want to let, you know, those of us with kids in that age range, range, let us know that we're not out here alone. Um, Your kid's not crazy. You are not crazy. Um, Some of what they're dealing with may just be age appropriate, and some might be signs that it's time to get them some therapy. And use some therapy too. So um, I do want to give out my disclaimer that these are just opinions. This in no way takes the place of getting some actual medical therapy um, for you and your family and your children. Um, But hopefully it will set you in the right direction if you're not sure. Um, Give you some resources if you don't have any or if you're in need of some. But definitely let you know that you are not alone. So anyway, tune in. Let me know what you think. (laughs) <laughs> so how would you like to start? You want to talk about, you want to give, I tell you what, why don't you give me some background into like professional background. Okay. Know you're a mom. So we'll also talk about that, right? So we'll yeah. talk about some of the struggles yeah, definitely. about being a mom, like not yeah. even being a therapist. Um, but tell me a little bit about your background, your professional background. Okay. So, um, you know, I, I kind of got into it really gradually. Like I didn't grow up like, oh, I want to be a therapist. You know, I, I actually want to be a veterinarian. <laughs> Strange. But, um, you know, let's just basically say that I was not cut out for the physical sciences. That did not go well for me in college, but I was really drawn to like social sciences and, you know, like I was a social major and kind of had a minor in women's studies. So I was really drawn to kind of that world of, you know, people and just relating to people and psychology and all of that. Um, so anyway, um, ended up going to uh, get my MSW, uh, mm-hmm. Master of Social Work after college and, you know, kind of just had to choose a path as far as, you know, did I want to kind of focus on macro, you know, big policy kind of advocacy stuff or more direct services, knew I wanted to work with people. So did direct services, landed myself in a couple of um, internships, Mm -hmm. you know, in child mental health. Mm -hmm. And and I really just never left. I mean, I kind of found my home there and, um, you know, realized that, that that was, kind of where my passion was. And, um, you know, so after school, um, I worked for a nonprofit for a a little while that was Mm -hmm. not, you know, clinically focused, but still with kids and families, um, but wanted to get my clinical license, LCSW. So um, I got a job with the Wake County Human Mm -hmm. Services and Mental Health at the time, um, before mental health services were sort of outsourced to private providers in our state, um, back in the day when, when there were still <laughs> these community centers. Right. 
Um, that's a whole nother issue. But, um, you know, so I was so green, you know, but that was just, it, it was a really good yeah. experience. I was there for about nine or 10 years before that outsourcing <laughs> happened. And I was actually integrated it during that time with CPS. So the kids I was seeing were all kids who were either in foster care or mm -hmm. whose families were kind of engaged in that mm -hmm. child welfare world. So, you know, lots of trauma, lots of like grief and loss, lots of, um, you know, just again, you know, anxiety, depression stuff, you know, um, but so that was obviously really hard work, but it was formative for me, you know, in terms of kind of my lens um, mm -hmm. that I was developing um, as a as a clinician. Um, so when Wake County kind of ended up outsourcing all of the services, we, we basically lost our jobs, you know, and, and we had to figure out what do we do next. So I went into the private practice world at that point mm -hmm. um, and was doing that for about seven years. Um, and that was good, but I found it challenging in different ways. You know, my, my patient, my clients that came to me, you know, were were different in terms of you know the kind of things they were presenting with i wasn't seeing as much of you know um again that trauma stuff even though it was there you know they didn't necessarily recognize it as being there right. um and i felt like my scope of what i was able to do clinically was kind of narrower and narrower and narrower Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I just kind of got tired of that. And, and I felt it, I found it very isolating too. I was kind of in this office by myself with maybe yeah. one or two other people. I, I just missed being part of a team and having that support and everything. So then this is about three years ago, um, I decided to take a totally different leap and decided to uh, become a school social worker. Okay. Um, so I was, I, I got a job as a part-time school social worker at a K through eight charter school. Okay. And I was doing both for a couple of years. I was kind of doing the school social work thing by day, a few days a week, mm -hmm. still seeing some private clients at night. Um, and then last year happened and it all became too much. And, you know, my kids were home from school. And so I decided, you know, last summer that for this year, this school year, I was only going to do my school job. I, I had to kind of let the private practice piece go. Okay. Um, you know, I'm home with my kids, uh, trying to, I knew this school year was going to be a wild ride in terms yeah. of those needs. Yeah. And so right now that's all I'm doing mm -hmm. and trying to kind of discern for myself, you know, where do I want to go after this school year? Do I want to kind of just continue to focus in that way or do I want to re-engage, you know, yeah, with right. practicing again? And if so, in what setting? So I'm still trying to decide what I want to be when I grow up essentially. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, you know, it's been good to work in a school, though, because it's given me a totally different perspective. You know, I'm still able to do some yeah. clinical stuff, but mm -hmm. kind of working within that educational system is totally different. Than so it's funny, that. like listening to you talk through that. So mm -hmm. one of the things, so my, my bachelor's is in psychology, right? Mm -hmm. So much like you, I didn't really do the social science, the, the physical sciences. Like I hated mm -hmm. science. Yeah. I hated science. I'm laughing because Miss um, Futural follows me on Facebook and she's going to be like, did you hate science? Like she was like, I didn't hate her science. <laughs> her science her is science. awesome. Yeah. But all the other sciences <laughs> right. were not for me. Like I didn't really care. I really loved English and math. And so I didn't really care how it happened or like why or the history behind it. Mm -hmm. But two plus two is always going to be four. Like mm -hmm. no matter, it's not going to blow up in my face. It's going to be four. And then I enjoyed writing, right? And so I remember when I went to 
when I went to college, I did want to be a therapist. Well, when I was younger, I wanted to be a lawyer. And then I realized you had to go to school for like a million years. And I was like, right. I don't want to read a dictionary. Like, <laughs> I don't want to do that. Um, but I did want to work with people. And I remember mm-hmm. one of the conversations that I had with one of my advisors was I really wanted to do child psychology, but mm-hmm. all I could think about was that I was going to get little Johnny in my office that had been molested and I was going to like adopt him. And she was like, well, you're not going to be able to adopt him. And I'm like, but I'm gonna, like, I can't send him home. You're going to want to. Yeah. Right. I can't send him home back into that environment. And she's like, well, you know, they're going to be resources. And I'm like, you know what? Child psychology is not for me. Like Mm -hmm. that is not, that is not going to be my road Mm -hmm. because I would have 40 kids living in my, like living in my living room on air mattresses because I can't send them back into their environment. Um, And I remember her telling me, you know, repeatedly, because we had this conversation over and over. She's like, Ovi, but we need people in the field that feel like that, that want, that care enough about, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the people that they're servicing, that they would want to get them out of those environments, because that's how you change the environments for them. Mm -hmm. Laura. I was like, mm-mm, I'll be done killed little Johnny's uncle. <laughs> and now I got to go to prison. I can't help nobody. So yeah. I'd like to hear you say that you, you know, we're, we're going through some of that and seeing some of that. Um, so now that you're in like the school, I guess maybe we can start by, so what are some of the things that you like see, or what are some of the more prominent things that you deal with in that? So it's like kids and teens or like kids growing into teens. Population. So, well, at my school, we're just K through eight. So I, you know, my oldest students are like 13, 14. Okay. But hard again, it, yeah, really tough age, definitely. Um, but when I was practicing, and again, I was practicing up until last August, and again, we'll probably co- go back to that world. It was definitely kids and teens, even through like young adult, like yeah. college age, mm-hmm. um, was really, you know, my, my area. Um, I like to work with adults, but I just, I prefer, I prefer kids and teens. Um, (laughs) But of course, when you're working with those, you're working with adults too, because you're working with the parents. I mean, it's the whole system, of course. Um, But yeah, so, and and I should preface that too, as far as like the school that I work at, um, my role there as a school social worker is probably pretty different than what most school social workers in our area do because it's a charter school and um, their model is a little bit different. So my primary job there is I work with our um, EC okay. special education department. Mm-hmm. And so our students there that have social and emotional and behavioral kind of needs my job is to support them. And so I work with them on meeting their goals for their IEPs and all of that. Um, That being said, yes, I absolutely do some crisis work and things like that. If we have a student that, you know, is having suicidal ideation, you know, I'll do, you know, risk assessments and things like that. But I don't do as much of what a lot of other school social workers in our area do in terms of um, working on attendance issues or working on, you know, um, you know, things like that. So it's, it's a little bit different just because my school is a charter school. Um, I'm in, I'm in kind of a weird role. (laughs) (laughs) But it's not that it's giving you some flexibility you need. So that is, you know, I have learned that sometimes, um, being able to have more flexibility at work is like exactly what you need. Like right now, professionally, 
is not a lo- at all aligned with like what I would love to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and over the years, people have been like, well, why don't you find another job? Like, why don't you, because I work in IT. I'm okay. Artist, right. And so I work with people all day, but people are yeah. like, you're not challenged, like, and you don't love it. Why don't you find another job? And I'm like, well, because I've been with the city for 13 years. Mm-hmm. I haven't been in this, in this role for that long. I've done several different positions within the city, but I'm like, it has offered me the flexibility to be the mom that I wanted to be, right? right. The, the mom I needed to be at any particular part along this journey. Mm-hmm. Um, like one of the things that I have probably disclosed before and we'll probably talk considerably more about over the course of this series is, so I battle my own like depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, although I have learned how to recognize and deal and cope sometimes, maybe sometimes not so much, <laughs> you know, sometimes. Right. Um, my son um, probably has the probably has the hardest battle with depression of, mm-hmm. of my like core family mm-hmm. um, to include like suicidal ideations and um, like at least one suicide attempt, like some really just dark, 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 sure. dark moments. Right. Sure. And then my daughter, um, I didn't even know. So let me take that back. I did know that she battled with some depression um, when she had Isaiah, just because of the nature of that particular situation happened really quickly. And then she went off to school. Like we found okay. out she was pregnant in May. Like at the end, we found out she was pregnant at the end of May. She was literally pregnant for six weeks. Like we found out she was pregnant oh and the doctor was like, um, or was it June? It might've been June. It was June. I'm sorry, not May. It was June. We found out she was pregnant in June. The doctor is like, so she's 37 weeks. And we're like, I'm sorry. Oh my goodness. I'm sorry. What did you, what did you say? Yeah. Um, the shock, right? Right. So we yeah. found out she's pregnant in June. He's born at the beginning of July. And then she leaves for school in August. So like, mm-hmm. I knew that there was some, I knew that she was dealing with something, but we, we didn't really discuss it. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I just supported her, you know, mm-hmm. I could, you know, your, I mean, your kids are sad. Like it's not. And of course you're going to be sad. You just had a baby two months ago and now you're, you know, an hour and a half away. Right. Um, but she has like, in terms of talking about this series has like, you know, I want to share my story. So, mm-hmm. you know, there are definitely, you know, things that they all deal with um, on that. I'm like, why did I even go down this path? I was, uh, there was a reason. Um, but anyway, so I guess the point I'm making is like, I definitely want to talk a little bit about, and maybe it's even more in your private practice in terms of some of the things that you see, um, mm-hmm. some of the things that, you know, maybe have been um, warning signs or th- maybe just things that you see more more prevalently. Because um, one of the things that I know, even just from talking to um, just my kids and just kids. So over the years, I end up being the house everybody's kid wants to come to. Uh-huh. How did that even happen? I don't want to feed y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Um, so, you know, other people's kids come and talk you to me. You can't help it. <laughs> I, I can't help it. Um, you were bringing those 40 kids home, remember? <laughs> I was. And now that they're coming here, I'm like, well, I was just saying, I don't, I can't <laughs> eight times a day, right? Because they eat everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but just, I know that sometimes they don't even really know what they're dealing with, um, which makes it even more difficult for maybe their parents to recognize what it is. Right. Because, you know, right. there's a fine line between being sad and like being depressed. Right. Right. Sometimes you're just sad. Like, right. It's about to rain for 40 days and 40 nights. <laughs> and I'm going to be sad. Like, I'm just going to be sad. It makes right. me sad because I need some sunshine. But that doesn't automatically you. transition to 
me being depressed. Um, right. Right. A lot of times you cannot see it when you're in it, you know, whether it's yourself or your child, you know, because it happens so gradually to look for both like as a parent, maybe, um, Mm -hmm. and maybe some of the things that you've seen from some of the, like the actual clients that you've dealt with. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I think like you have to look at it over time Mm -hmm. and kind of say like, where and and to what degree has there been a change you know like you said we all get sad that's part of you know the human condition but are you is is it like a wave of sadness that that sort of comes and it goes and you sort of resume your normal functioning or is it a wave that sort of tends to stay there and linger you know and and so i think you know looking at um the patterns that that sort of are playing out over time, um, you know, like interest in activities or, you know, engagement or to what degree like your child or yourself even is, is maybe isolating themselves. Again, like if we're thinking about teenagers, that's really normal. You know, teenagers, they go in their room. I saw a funny meme the other day that was like, you know, having a teenager is kind of like having a cat, you know, they just come out to get fed and they hiss at you if you try to pet them. That's and I'm it. like, that is my child, you yeah, know, but, child, exactly. <laughs> yeah. but you know, so, so some of that like kind of isolation and separation and all of that, that's developmentally appropriate. But we, what we want to look for is, you know, like, are they still coming out some, you know, are they kind of, are they receptive to that connection some of the time? Are they still wanting to do the things that they enjoy some of the time? Um, And if we're seeing that like there's just gradual kind of lessening and lessening and lessening and lessening, then that's where you would want to really kind of pay attention. You know, has there been an overall shift in kind of who they are, you know, because you know their personality, you know their temperament, Um, you know, is there just, that, that sense of this isn't, you know, right. My, my, my baby, great deal. Right. You know, well, like, so that what, kind of what how would you, how would you gate? So the other part, the other reason that I wanted to do the series is like with the pandemic, we're all stuck. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it, you know, kids are not going to school. So my 15 year old, um, is a social butterfly, like her social mm-hmm. calendar oftentimes puts mine to shame. I'm like, you don't even drive. You don't don't drive. You don't have a job. You have all these long things that you're going to do and you don't have any of these things, Um, which means that 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 means me. That means I'm going to be driving. Right. I'm going to be paying. Um, But within the confines of like the pandemic, a lot of those social outlets have been taken away almost right. all them, right? So right. now it's not just you went to school, you went to softball practice, and now you're home and in your room in isolation. Mm-hmm. But it's like you're doing schoolwork in your room, you're talking to your friends in your room. You know, there are times that it's seven o'clock and I'm like, have you eaten today? Right. And sometimes she's like, I'm not hungry. Yeah. You know, and yeah. much to your point, um, like I will go in and jump on her bed and just lay there mm-hmm. and be like, all right, mm-hmm. so like, you're not going to just be in here by yourself for, for the right. day, but like, how do you make that transition or how do you not only identify when something may be wrong, but like, how do you, how do you get them to either open up to you or be, be open to like going to get some help? Because I know some other people, some other challenges are, you know, my kid doesn't want to talk to me. 
You know, right. I've asked them, or you know, what's going on a hundred times, and they're like, the typical teenager is like, I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine. Yeah. Definitely. I'm good. And you're like, you're not good. Like you haven't eaten in three days, and you right. haven't come out of your room, and it smells like a football team in here. So, <laughs> like, you're not fine. So, how yeah. do you get? You know, what are some suggestions that maybe either some probing questions or do you just drop them off at the therapist and like please fix my kid like how do you <laughs> go about getting them helping them out of that space yeah oh my gosh that's there's so much there and that's just like probably one of the most challenging aspects to all this especially with the pandemic right um and, and I think you know it's just persistence honestly and and you know recognizing kind of what we can do and then what we can't do and what we need to kind of hand off, you know, to, to maybe someone else to not do for us, but to assist us with, um, you know, to speak to your point about like your child kind of being in the room all day, every day, especially with remote schooling and, and everything. Um, you know, I love what you said about going in there and just jumping on the bed. And it's those little like efforts at connection and maybe, you know, you're shooed away and maybe you're shut down in that, but they, I, I think still kind of making the effort and asking the question or asking, say, Hey, come out here, you know, watch, you want to watch a movie? Mm-hmm. Do you want to um, go for a walk? You, you know, let, let's, let's go, you know, eat a snack together, whatever it is, you know, and you may get shut down every single time or you may get shut down like nine out of 10 times, but that's okay because they still hear you, mm-hmm. you know, making that invite and, and you're still giving the message that like, I see you and, and I care about you and I want to spend time with you and, you know, still kind of giving that making that effort at at connecting with them. And that's really, really important. You know, again, developmentally, teenagers don't want to hang out with us, right? You know, a whole lot. But, you know, they still need to know, even though they can't verbalize it, that we want to hang out with them, you know, that we love them and we see them. And um, so we have to, as parents, I think, have super thick skin, you know, around those things and say, you know what? I've got to be willing to get shut down and not take it personally, but just say, you know, this is kind of where they are, you know, developmentally. And then all of those things are being completely exacerbated by the isolation of this pandemic. Now that's kind of for your teen that is like, I don't like the word normal, but kind of handling the stressors available or present in the pandemic in a relatively healthy way, you know, like we're all suffering. We're all kind of, you know, stressed in different ways, but you know, they've got some decent coping skills in place, decent mm-hmm. support system. And, and they're kind of getting by doing okay, given everything that's going on. If we're talking about, you know, a, a teen or a kid that we truly are concerned about in terms of possible depression or, you know, any kind of mental health sort of issue, you know, that's a little bit different, you know, because they may not be able to, to respond, you know, in that way to us. And that's where, you know, we just kind of have to, I think, like you said, drive them to the therapist office and drop them off, but that's not so much of a stretch, you know, just say, look, you know, I love you. I care about you. And, you know, we're going through some things that are 
kind of beyond what I, you know, what I know to do to help with right now. So we're going to get some help from somebody else and, and, you know, it's okay. Lots of validation for where they are. You know, this is okay. You're not doing anything wrong and there's nothing wrong with you. And, you know, we're okay, but you know, we want to not just be okay. We want to be, you know, our best. And so, you know, let's, let's get some help. Let's get some pointers and, you know, they're probably going to push back on that, but, um, you know, that's where, again, we kind of have to say, you know, I I love you enough and I'm going to have this thick skin to kind of be able to handle that. Um, and I think that's hard yeah. for a lot of people. I mean, so none yeah. of this is easy, right? But I right. think it's hard for a lot of people for two reasons. One is most of us are going through our own stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm trying to get you help so that you're not depressed and you're not, you know, having anxiety while I am also trying to not succumb to depression right. and fighting anxiety. And so like some of my own challenges have been um, in the moments when, and I'll use Alana cause she's here. She's the one that's here, but like right. in the moments when she might be a little more isolated. And so she is, let me say, I think I'll get back to you. Maybe <laughs> at the end of the series, I'll be like, I was wrong in that. Person. But she is one of the ones that seems to be doing well, right? So mm-hmm. she is doing, she's thriving in virtual learning, although she absolutely misses the social the social sure but she is like she's she's I I tell her all the time jokingly I used to tell her all the time and then it dawned on me that it might not while I was laughing and joking it might be a wait for her but I used to tell her she was the golden child right she's the Mm -hmm. third and she just gets it so like Mm -hmm. it's rare that I have to discipline her she's a straight A student she's a star athlete like almost like she watched her brother and sister and was like, nope, not going to do that. Don't do Uh that. Don't do that. Don't try that. Mom's going to kill me. Mom, you know, like, so she just gets it. And then I was like that. I wonder if I'm putting some unnecessary pressure on her. So I stopped telling her that. Right. But she does get it. But there have been times obviously where she is clearly um, sadder, you know, Mm -hmm. or clearly more weighted. Um, And you know, there's a fine line between as a parent, not wanting to push so hard that they shut you out. Right. right. So you're like, I right. said, you're going to talk to me. And they're like, I don't, not only am I not going to talk to you now, but I don't mm-hmm. want to talk to you again. Right. right. But then aside of that is this like internal struggle of I'm trying to help you with your mess, but I just came out of the bathroom crying about my own mess. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I am trying to help you as much as I can, but the reality is the boat is sinking. Like the, I'm, I'm inviting you into my sinking boat. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's one of the challenges with, you know, parenting is that, you know, we are taught from the time that they're born that their needs come first, mm-hmm. you know, that, when, you know, once you bring the baby home, like, that's it. They cry, they, they're wet, they're hungry. Like you drop whatever you're doing and respond. I can't mm-hmm. think of how many times, like I, you know, even now with Isaiah, right. And I'm older, I know better, but I can't tell you how many times with Isaiah, I finished dinner and I've had like two bites of food because I'm focused on him eating. Right. Um, right. And, you know, I think that still holds true when you're talking about mental health, like you mm-hmm. are struggling, you're crying, you're, you know, dipping off to the bathroom because you haven't hung out with your, your friends, your grown adult friends for wine or vodka or whatever it needs to be <laughs> in a year. 
but you are mm-hmm. trying to keep your family afloat. Um, and it's like, it's hard. It is a very yeah. tough line and not really knowing how to help them, not really knowing how hard to push, um, you know, and, and not, and then also I think aside of not knowing how to push is this, you know, taboo that is like, parents can't be broken, you know, right. like parents, you, you can't be, you can't be depressed because you're the mom and you have to have it all together and you, you don't have, have to be strong, space. right? You have to be strong. You don't have the space to be sad and crying. Um, mm-hmm. You just have to take care of me and keep like, keep whatever you got going on right. afloat. And that's just not, I mean, especially not in the pandemic, but that's just not feasible. Like we're all battling. Right. Um, And so I think the things that you gave in terms of what to look for and kind of what to do are, are, you know, really helpful. Um, I guess the other thing I would say, or the other question that I would have would be, what would be some like suggested coping mechanisms in the event that um, like maybe, maybe in between, like after noticing something might be wrong, but before Mm -hmm. being like, we're going to need therapy. Which, let me just say, I'm an absolute advocate for therapy. Yeah. I think everybody needs therapy. Like, you don't think you need therapy? You're probably the one that needs the most therapy. Like, go to <laughs> therapy. So I'm an yeah. advocate for therapy, even when nothing's wrong, especially when nothing's yeah. wrong. But like, yeah. what are some good coping mechanisms in the interim? Like, if you have a kid who might be struggling with virtual learning or might be mm-hmm. struggling with depression, um, what would it be like some things that you would suggest for people to do either in the interim or like while they're getting therapy, um, some things that might work for both either the parent and child together or something to suggest for the child to do? Yeah. Oh my goodness. There's so much there again. I mean, there's just, there's so much, you know, to kind of talk about. Um, So if I can unpack that a little bit, I mean, one is like in terms of your own mental health as the parent, um, it is extremely powerful, I think, for our kids to see us taking care of ourselves in that way and for us to use coping strategies because, you know, we're, we're getting better about talking about mental health, you know, as your podcast kind of <laughs> exemplifies, but we're still not great. You know, there's still so much stigma, you know, in our society and especially like generationally, like we, we haven't done a good job of kind of modeling that self-care and, you know, caring for our mental health historically. Yeah. And so that is powerful, you know, for our kids. If, if we can reframe, you know, that idea of we have to be strong for them and we have to keep it together for them, if we can reframe that and think of it in terms of, you know, if I'm caring for myself and if I'm in a mentally healthy place, an emotionally healthy place, I'm going to not only be able to care for them better, but that's a gift, you know, that I'm giving them to sort of see what that looks like. And our children learn, you know, by our modeling more than anything, you know, it's, you know, it's not, you know, they were saying like, do as I say, not as I do, but you know, (laughs) like do as I do. I mean, that's what they're watching. And so that's one thing that you can do really powerfully, you know, to kind of help your kids and help yourself at the same time, whatever that looks like for you, whatever that self-care or, you know, therapy or medicine or whatever, you know, that, that particular, you know, that looks like for you in particular. But, um, the other thing kind of in that, that interim between, okay, I'm kind of recognizing that there's a concern, you know, there's a need and before we've really gotten engaged with treatment. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think like 
that's a critical time again to stay connected especially if there's an issue of like concern about like suicidality or self-injury or things like that like safety issues you know kind of take it to a different level of course um you know in terms of really you know monitoring um and, and trying to be aware of you know what the child is is doing and staying connected but also, you know, just really, really validating. Um, you know, sometimes as parents, if we kind of realize, oh my gosh, I didn't know that it was kind of at that level. You know, I knew they were sad, but I didn't know like it was kind of at this level of depression. You know, we obviously out of a place of care and concern and love might get freaked out, you know, but us freaking out, you know, our, our kid doesn't want to upset us. You know, they don't want, to, to feel like it's this overwhelming issue that like, well, if they can't handle it, then I can't handle it, you know? So as hard as it is, and I know, trust me, I know, um, you know, if, if we can stay calm during that time and just really validating and say, you know what, um, you know, this is a really tough thing that we're going through. I'm so glad that you're opening up and, and telling me, you know, kind of how real this is for you. and um, you know, we're, we're going to get some help with this. We're going to figure it out, you know, so you're kind of being encouraging and, and hopeful, but, but really just validating where they are. You know, I think that's honestly one of the most powerful things you can do during that time. Sometimes even just knowing like, again, this is a whole other issue of navigating the mental health system and even finding resources. Right. But sometimes like, just knowing that like, okay, we're, we're going to take some steps toward this. Okay. Mom's calling the doctor, mom's looking at therapists, you know, whatever it can be enough to kind of just keep getting through that until you're actually in that office or in that space or getting that treatment. Um, you know, everybody's coping toolbox looks a little bit different because, you know, we all have our different things that we enjoy and that make us tick and that, you know, kind of feed our souls, of course, you know, what you do, I'm sure is different than what I do, you know, to take care of myself. And the same is true of our kids. But I think we can break down coping tools into um, kind of different tools for different needs. Okay. And so like we have some tools that, and I, I call them tools because I use kid language and kids don't understand you know, coping mechanisms as much. So we talk about tools, you know, okay. tools is good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm in my kid, my kid language here, but, um, so, you know, some of our tools we use when we need that help immediately, you know, um, if, if we are having feeling panicked and, and maybe we can't breathe and we're just mm -hmm. frozen and, and don't know what to do, you know, we need some, some, some instant help, you know, in that situation. So we might want to teach some things like some breathing techniques or, you know, some progressive muscle relaxation, or maybe, you know, at a time when they're calm and not feeling as upset, maybe we want to kind of look on YouTube together and say, like, let's find some music that's particularly relaxing for you. And next time you're upset, you know, mom's going to turn this on, you know, and, and, and you're just going to lay on your bed and chill, you know, so we need some tools in our toolbox that are kind of instant relief, you know, help to kind of calm our, our body physically, you know, in those moments so that we can start to think a little bit uh, more clearly. Okay. Some tools are more like 
preventative care, you know, like for me, I know, you know, if I don't get outside and, and walk or run or exercise at least a couple of times a week, I'm going to be feeling pretty cranky, you know, and that's something that I have to do kind of proactively for my mental health. Mm -hmm. And so what does that look like for your child? You know, right. is it making sure that even in the pandemic, they have at least one or two social opportunities, even if that looks different right now, right. you know, to see somebody outside of their home, you know, once a week, yeah. is it being able to, you know, play a sport, even though, you know, their school team can't play, can they, you know, is, is there somewhere they can go shoot baskets, you know, just to kind of do that? Like, what are your preventative tools that are kind of part of their self-care? And then, you know, we have our tools that are more like longer term, I think insight oriented tools. And that's what you'd kind of work on and learn in therapy. A lot of the time is like, where kind of, what are my thoughts that are kind of tricky thoughts that, you know, are, are patterns of thinking that I'm stuck in and maybe I don't realize I'm stuck in them and how can I work to sort of change those. And that's where, you know, I think therapy can really be helpful, you know, or identifying patterns like even within our families or our relationships that might be present um, but maybe we don't recognize it because we're in it, you know, and, and so working to change those patterns and create healthier ways of, of coping, kind of, whether that's with our communication or, you know, the way that we interact with one another or, or just different things. So I know that was a really long winded answer, but there's all kinds of different coping tools for different situations. So two things. One uh -huh. is I appreciate the long-winded answer. <laughs> okay. Um, the other thing is like, as you were talking, I was tearing up because um, I had this like epiphany. So when I decided I was going to do this, this series, I'm like, oh, you are way too sensitive to do a series on mental health. Like mm -hmm. you're going to be crying all over these things. <laughs> Not going to be good. Don't do it. Um, but not only did I feel like it was important for the people that are going to listen, but also like self-care, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So something you said um, hit a chord and I'm going to share it, right? So transparency, some authenticity. Yeah. Um, so my Lana plays softball mm -hmm. and she loves softball, right? So her older sister played softball and then one day she was like, so am I, you know, typical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she's played for her team. And last year she joined a travel softball team mm -hmm. and um, they've been playing, like they've been able to play some through the pandemic. Um, she takes private lessons with one of the coaches on Thursdays. And so they have team practices on Sunday and private lessons. She has private lessons on Thursday. So for the past two weeks um, she has, so as an aside, she also has like two AP courses this semester. So she's taken mm -hmm. like two honors courses and two AP courses. She's much smarter mm -hmm. than me um, than I was <laughs> at her age. And so the AP I don't courses, know about that. Well, the good. AP courses. Pretty smart cookie. Like, the AP courses are giving her quite a bit of work. Yeah, no, AP courses are no joke. That's they are joke. no joke. <laughs> I, that's why I'm like, I don't think I, I um, But for the past two weeks, I have said, so what has happened is, um, she goes to practice on Sunday, right? And then she goes to her private lesson on Thursday. And then what has started to happen is she doesn't pick up a bat in between Sunday and Thursday, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? 
So for the past, and then last Sunday she slept, she overslept and slept through practice. Um, and so the conversation I had with her was that I was going to stop paying for the private lessons on Thursday mm -hmm. because I'm like, you're not even doing the extra work to make it better, right? Mm -hmm. to make it better. And she's like, mom, I'm doing schoolwork. Like, no, I haven't been outside, you know, to practice, but it's because I'm doing a hundred hours of AP, like AP history. And I was like, I hear you, but I'm not, my response was, I hear you, but I'm not going to continue to spend my money if you're not going to put in the effort. Mm -hmm. um, and while you were talking about like making sure they have an outlet, like it dawned on me while you were talking that like, not to take that from her, you know, um, the lesson isn't crazy expensive. Like I already budgeted for the lesson, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the reality is that is her time to be with her coach, some of her, you know, teammates. Um, and it's not, I don't know, I don't want to use the term fair, but I am because I can't think of another term right now. But it's not really fair for me to take that from her because she is doing her schoolwork and not then exerting that energy somewhere else. Mm -hmm. um, so again, like I appreciate the long answer. Um, I think sometimes we um, move along and move around doing things and making decisions that we think are going to be the best for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Like for me, it wasn't even about the money. It was about me putting money into something that you're clearly not putting effort into. But like maybe she's putting as much effort as she can. And maybe that is a, another outlet that she is using that she doesn't even know that that's what she's using it for. Yeah. Yeah. So. And, you know, it's okay to sort of just observe that, you know, I think as parents, we can notice things going on with our, with our kids. And, and this kind of speaks to what we were talking about before looking for the signs, you know, yeah. I think instead of saying like, Hey, you're not, you know, taking care of this or you're not doing that. Like you should like you normally do, you know, I think if we just kind of go into it almost in like a wondering, noticing, very curious sort of way and say, you know, I'm, I'm noticing one of the, you, you know, you seem to really like your lessons, but you're not picking up the bat in between, like, what's up? And just very open-ended, like, what's up? You know, and just kind of giving her the chance to communicate, well, I want to, but I'm really overwhelmed with all this AP work, you know, yeah. versus like, yeah, you know, I just, it doesn't excite me like it used to, Right. you know, and, and having that conversation because maybe, you know, she really does value that. Maybe she's getting tired of it and just doesn't know how to say it. Yeah. And, and we don't know, you know, and, and maybe that's not just one conversation. Maybe that's multiple conversations, but I think if we can kind of just approach anything that we have these like concerns or these, you know, antennas up, you know, up with right. our kids about in terms of just curiosity. Like I'm noticing this, I'm kind of wondering about that, like mm -hmm. what's going on, you know, and, and just trying as much as we can to make it safe for them to say whatever they need to mm -hmm. say, you know, and then we obviously are empowered to respond <laughs> I said you're you know, differently. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. What I would ask, I mean, I guess that, you know, the next thing is, um, are there resources that you would suggest for people? Um, if, I mean, so, you know, some of us are blessed in that um, our jobs offer resources, mm -hmm. you know, or there is, you know, there's, you know, um, um, social services probably have, you know, I'm sure it has some resources that are available to people. Um, mm -hmm. But what about, 
you know, other resources that people may not know about um, or mm-hmm. that they may not know are, you know, are even available to them. Um, just are there any other resources? Are there any resources that you would um, recommend to people? One of the things that I will probably do that I'm thinking I will do um, mm-hmm. is not only like if you tell them to me now, but I'll also yeah. send them to me and I'll put them in the link. Sure. Um, when I post our, like when I post the episode so people can, you know, write them down or reach, you know, yeah. reach out to them. So if they happen, lots of people reach out to me. They're like, I listened to this on my way to the gym or I listened to this yeah. at the gym because I don't want people falling off the treadmill trying to write down, <laughs> you know, no. write down how to get we don't want that. resources. Um, yeah. so I'll put it in writing so they can also like go back to it. Um, but like what, what type of resources might be good for somebody yeah. if they just don't know where to start? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I'm happy to pull some things together and work with you on that to to help, um, you know, provide that. Um, So I think, like, obviously, everybody's situation is different in terms of insurance or not, you know, if anything, you know, mental health is just one other area where there's, you know, just glaring equity issues, you know, at play. Um, so everybody's situation is going to be different, but, um, you know, either way, um, you know, if you have insurance kind of starting there, starting with your child's doctor, you know, just the pediatrician is always a good starting point because they usually have resource lists available. Um, and you know, would, would kind of be able to say like this person accepts this insurance and this person accepts that insurance and kind of help you start to navigate that process. Um, the website psychology today, I don't know if you're familiar with that. Mm -hmm. Okay. I I love that website because, you know, you can kind of plug in what you're looking for. You know, you can say, I live in this zip code and I am looking for a mental health practitioner who specializes in teens and I would really prefer it if they are a female and you know like you can even kind of you know search for like um you know like your by your insurance but by clinical specialty so if you're looking for somebody you know that that really does like play therapy or knows how to work with OCD or whatever it is you know you can kind of hone that in and you you get a nice little profile of that person and you can kind of read their um, background and, and, and kind of what they offer. And so it, it kind of gives you a little bit of a glimpse as far as what you may be looking for. Um, and so that's, that's one other resource that I use a lot. Now, certainly not all providers are on there, right? So, um, but a lot of them are. Okay. So I would say, you know, their, their doctor, uh, psychology today. And, and those are going to be more like if you're looking for formal, you know, like therapist or psychologist or psychiatrist and, you know, kind of that sort of thing. But, you know, we have a lot of like informal resources in our community too, mm. that we can tap into. And I think mm. that's really important because not everybody's at the point where they're ready to actually kind of make that leap into formal treatment. Um, and, you know, so looking at, you know, are there some nonprofit organizations, you know, in your area, are there faith-based organizations, you know, I mean, like, that's a whole other issue, you know, the church and mental health, but a lot of people are much more comfortable going to a pastoral kind of leader, you know, and kind of talking through things there. Um, you know, so what informal resources might be available to, I think, 
there's a lot of resources available, but we have to speak up and ask for them. And that's, you know, that's kind of where we are, right? You know, I get, I get private messages all the time, maybe from people who are like, Hey, you know, I've got this going on with my kid, you know, can you point me toward a resource? And I'm happy to do that. I love to do that for folks, but it just, you know, it goes to show like people are searching for these things. They just don't really know where to start. And so, you know, just asking around, asking your network, like, Hey, you know, or counselors at school. That's another one I forgot to say, um, you know, that's a great starting point too. like school counselors and school social workers, um, you know, should, should have some resources available to you as well. Um, that is, that is, I was actually talking to um, another young lady who's actually, I'm actually going to chat with her on Monday. Mm -hmm. Um, and she was, as I was looking for some resources for Michael, some additional resources Mm -hmm. for Michael. And she suggested, um, like some holistic, uh, therapy that something about I have to clearly I have to ask her some more about, <laughs> something about like therapists that will incorporate exercise like as part of therapy so it's not oh, yeah. like, hey come lay on my couch it's mm-hmm. more like hey let's go do this thing and we will talk right. while we're doing this thing um, right I can remember when Michael hurt his knee in high school um his physical therapist Jordan I love him so much but um <laughs> ended up kind of being his therapist like Uh not from a and you know he wasn't like a social worker he wasn't a psychiatrist but while they were working out rehabbing his knee they talked life stuff you know right right um and so that's why i think like big brother and big sister programs are so important because oftentimes you know kids want somebody to listen to them and to tune into them that will be confidential Mm -hmm. but they don't want to come and lay on your couch right they don't want to right feel like something is there's so much stigma around therapy they don't want to feel like something is wrong mm-hmm. but it doesn't feel as wrong if we are at the mall right and right. we're talking and talking or if we are you know going to play putt putt and we're just talking while we're in the car getting ice cream right um, you know so i think so much of that is important and based on relationships and the relationships mm-hmm. you can build with people um you know i would i would say you're doing excellent work um, you were talking and I was like, Laura's going to be my resident social worker. Oh, you're so <laughs> but, sweet. Originally, I was like, maybe I'll record these and save them and do it during mental health awareness. Month. Mm-hmm. Um, but my concern was people are struggling today and like we uh, can't work away three months. And so yeah. I'm like, maybe we'll just do this again in May. <laughs> like maybe we'll do it now. We'll do it again. Yeah, in May. So definitely. You know, I um, cannot thank you enough for like, not only your expertise, but just your willingness to just show up, um, you know, keep doing the work you're doing. If you decide to go back into private practice, like, <laughs> let me know, I got some clients for you. Um, <laughs> I'll be like, I got some clients for you. And then yeah. I'll be like, it's me. I'm a client <laughs> for you. I just, I needed you to be back in private practice. So, um, you know, I am actually in the process now of, um, getting a new therapist because mm-hmm. I've had my current therapist for so long that he's going to kill me if he listens to this, um, that it's more of like a friendship. And mm-hmm. so I, mm-hmm. I think we have exhausted the point of like therapeutic, therapeutic growth, if that makes any sense. That um, makes perfect sense. And I think it's so important that you have recognized that. And, well, because now yeah. he's like my friend. And so right. not to the point of like crossing any ethical boundaries. Of course. Like we don't hang out or anything yeah. like that. But it's not, I, I do believe that therapy should be therapeutic. 
Like, I believe that you should go and sit or, you know, log into the camera or whatever, and you should leave feeling like you've accomplished something or you're continuing to move the needle in a positive yeah. way. It needs to be a wee bit uncomfortable. It needs to, if, it, that's, I'm glad you said that because that's exactly yeah. what I was thinking. Like, mm -hmm. it shouldn't be, hey, I'm catching up with my friend I haven't talked to in a week. Mm -hmm. It should be push the boundaries, push the buttons, help me grow. Challenge help me, me. Yeah. differently, challenge me. Mm -hmm. And so, like I've spent the last couple of weeks, um, look or months really looking for um, a new therapist, and it the 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 journey has been challenging I, because we're in a pandemic, right? And yeah. everybody wants yeah. to do it like virtually. And right. so I had tried a new therapist, and she was going to some weird like. So it was virtual already, but then she was going to some like. They were still going to be virtual, but not face, like not, there was no video. It was like a chat hmm. therapy. I'm like, okay. how do you provide therapy with somebody through text messages? I, you can't see that I'm crying in a text message. <laughs> you know, like I am probably yeah, I know there's, I know there's you and watching TV. This is not going to work for me. Right. Uh, yeah. I know that those kinds of models exist, but yeah, I have, I have opinions there yeah. too. <laughs> is you have to know what works for you mm -hmm. you know you yeah. have to know what works for you sometimes you have to try different things mm -hmm. to determine whether it works for you or not right um, you know well and Ovi I'm gonna say like I tell I tell my families this all the time you know like finding a therapist is it is hard because you have to click with that person not in like you said not in a let's be friends kind of way but in a I'm comfortable enough with this person that I feel I can, you know, trust them, right. but also, you know, that, that they're going to help me grow and move toward my goals. And, and sometimes it takes trying more than one or more than two or, you know, and that can be so frustrating for people, you know, and, and I get that. But I always tell my, my folks when they come in, I'm like, look, you know, maybe I'm it for you. I want you to, you know, really leave this first or the second appointment and kind of talk about it. And if, if you decide that like, you know, you need something else or you're, this isn't the best fit, that is okay. And any therapist that's worth their weight is going to sort of give that message that it's okay. And try a few on for size. It's like finding a shoe that fits, you know, it's got to be the right size, but it's right. got to be the right style too, yeah. you know, and the right like comfort. Um, so, you know, that can be a really frustrating part of the journey, but it's important because regardless of the therapeutic modality that anybody uses, or, I mean, yes, we need to be using evidence-based treatments, but, you know, regardless of what exactly is done in the session and how it's done, like the number one predictor of whether it will be a I'm air quoting, you know, success here is, is the relationship, the therapeutic relationship. And can I feel comfortable with this person? Right. So, you know, don't be afraid to try a few different ones on for size. We're working on it. Yeah. Yeah. On. I just, yeah. I want to thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. We cannot let it be another 25 years. Like this is that we cannot. I don't. Because how old will we be? That we're, we're not going to talk about that. that. <laughs> the, point is, the point is it cannot be another 25 years. No. Um, I will definitely be reaching out to you probably okay. in the next. I mean, we're going to keep in touch on Facebook anyway, but I will also yeah. be reaching out to you um, in the upcoming weeks and stuff. And okay. I just. I thank you so much. I oh. hope you guys continue to do well in the pandemic. It's rough. It, it's it rough. is. It's rough. And and thank you once again, you know, for what you're doing, you know, just kind of being this voice and bringing this conversation 
into the light and into the forefront because it's it's so important. I mean, it really is, you know, life and death here. And so it's just, um, you know, thank you. It's It's an incredibly courageous thing, so. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode. Please be on the lookout. More are coming. Until then, be nice, but be authentic, because, yeah, I'm listening.